You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. We're in a season here of noticing people. That's little Ellie in the back. And we've probably got baby James back there being real quiet. That we are a people who, where children are welcome, and there's kids upstairs too. And we're in the season of noticing people who've been down on their luck, or in, in some great distress when God comes to them and saves them, and even uses them to save others. So during this, this, um, these past couple of weeks, we've talked about Hagar and Esther, people in the Bible. We've talked about migrants today and saints of the past like Francis of Assisi. People embracing their neediness and vulnerability instead of trying to just tough it out and um, prop themselves up on some kind of status and achievement. And I think I, I, I think you find that even here among us in our sort of like homemadeness even of this meeting. I was thinking as I was standing in the back back there, that um, you can go to the store and, like, buy, like, a real perfect pie crust that's, like, you know, crimped really perfectly, or you can make one yourself, and it's not it's not totally perfect, but it's made with a lot of love. It's homemade. That's, that's, kind of, that's who we are. That's what we're doing. So I hope you can feel the love tonight. Um, but anyway, with these people that we've been talking about, stories from the bottom, um, it reminds me that God meets us right where we are, in our neediness, in our imperfection, and um, accepts us where we are and helps us as we reach out. We don't have to have all our crap together in order to be part of the church or worthy of God's love. We don't have to have all our crap together even to be able to do great things. In fact, um, one of our Proverbs states that you don't have to be smart or completely trained to be a fulfilled Christian. And this season is about that, that God can meet us in our most undeveloped parts, um, even those broken down parts of us, those relationships that we have that are broken down, in fact, I think that is exactly where God does God's best work. But you, not all of us might even want to be a Christian, so I, let's back up and start there. Um, one of my heroes was in that boat at a, a certain at a time in his life, this guy named Sundar Singh. So I want to tell you a little bit about him tonight and, and kind of relate it to our own experience. But he was a young guy who lived in India about a century ago. And um, he was raised on Sikh and Hindu holy books. His parents were kind of priming him to be this Hindu holy man. And uh, when his mother died at 14 years old, though, he went into this state of despair can you guys see, or is my head in the way? Okay. Terry. So he went into this state of despair after his mother died, and he started looking everywhere for peace. 
and um, he started practicing a lot of yoga, and he wasn't finding any peace, and he made this resolve to commit suicide if he um, failed to get a revelation of the living God. And he even made a plan. He was going to go to the railway tracks um, in his area and put an end to it. But just in the nick of time, he had a vision of Christ. And he recognized Jesus as the living God he was looking for. And I just love how Jesus found this despairing 16-year-old like in the middle of this Hindu land. Jesus found this, this young person who was looking for him. So if you're a teenager here in this room, pay attention. This is for you. So he cut his hair and he renounced his cultural religion, which was this unspeakable shame on his father and his brothers and his whole extended family. And his, his father and his brothers tried to poison him several times. And uh, miraculously, like, he, he survived. And he ran away and he was baptized. And he decided to live his life as a Christian holy man, as a Christian sadhu. He, he, I think he just kind of made this up. I don't think he had anybody around him who was doing this. But he felt that the best way to show Jesus to others was through his own culture, through what he already knew and through what people around him already knew. And so he put on this yellow robe of a, a Hindu holy man, and he walked around um, barefoot without any possessions, going from place to place with this message of Jesus. And he traveled all the way through Afghanistan and Tibet um, to people who had never heard of Jesus. And around this time, he even met this American missionary who came alongside of him for a while and taught him about Francis of Assisi. So um, he was inspired by that guy, too, living like him. I'm going to flip through some slides with um, quotes that he said, things he said. Sundar tried to go to college at some point, but he was not really impressed with theological training. Even though he was really smart, he felt that religious knowledge of the highest kind is acquired not by intellectual study, but by direct contact with Christ. And so he worked on this meditation and, and contemplation, and he experienced regular visions of Jesus and those are the sources of his books. He felt like India already had tons and tons of religious doctrine, and they didn't need any more doctrine. They needed the living Christ, and that's what he was all about. He even surrendered his preaching license from the Anglican Church because he didn't want to be um, you know, tied down to the diocese. His call was to be this free agent. Um, without holding any office or position to just take the love of Jesus um, to all people and all faiths. And he did that, and he, uh, he often did it in the most challenging places. Like he went to, he spent most of his time in Tibet, which was closed to Christianity. Um, it was illegal, and he was beaten and tortured there many times, often on the brink of death. Another thing that um, made him unpopular with the authorities is he was always challenging the caste system in India, which, you know, oppressed people. 
But people came from all over to hear him preach, and his ministry extended to Burma, Singapore, Penang, China, and Japan. And he even had the joy of leading his father to Christ near the end of his life. And then after he died, his brother, who tried to poison him, even came to Christ too. But nothing challenged Sundar more than the materialism and the the nominal Christianity that he found in the West. He was eventually able to travel to Europe and to the United States, and he was so disillusioned by the what he called um, indifference to spirituality. And so he preferred the hardships of the first world to the adulation that he was getting from Western Christians. In his, in a, in his first world homeland area, he, he experienced numeral, numerous miracles in his life, saving him from really uh, dramatic dangers. Like one time he was thrown into a pit in Tibet that was full of rotting bodies. And um, he was in there for three days when suddenly the the locked um, opening at the top of the pit came off and a, a rope was thrown down and he climbed out and he was he turned around to thank his rescuer and, and nobody was there. And so he attributed that to God. But he eventually died somewhere in the mountains of Tibet um, trying to get back to those people that he loved. And, and we don't know where, like nobody ever found his body. He just kind of disappeared into the mountains. But here are some of the things he wrote and said. You can find them, most of them, on our daily prayer blog, too. I don't know if you check that out. There's two on our website, Wind and Water. Um, but this is, well, actually, there's three. This is on our special blog. Every once in a while, we, we have this blog called The Transhistorical Body, where we celebrate people of faith who've come before us. It's on there. But he said, um, the Indian seer lost God in nature. The Christian mystic, on the other hand, finds God in nature. You can see why I love this guy. The Hindu mystic believes that God and nature are one and the same. The Christian mystic knows that there must be a creator to account for the universe. And a little story. After One day after a long journey, I rested in front of a house. Suddenly a sparrow came towards me, blown helplessly by a strong wind. From another direction, an eagle dived to catch the panicky sparrow. Threatened from different directions, the sparrow flew into my lap. By choice, it would not normally do that. However, the little bird was seeking for a a refuge from great danger. Likewise, the violent winds of suffering and trouble blow us into the Lord's protective hands. And I'll jump down to my favorite story there at the bottom. He wrote, in a Tibetan village, I noticed a crowd of people standing standing under a burning tree and looking up into the branches. I came near and discovered in the branches a bird which was anxiously flying around a nest of young ones. The mother bird wanted to save her little ones, but she could not. 
When the fire reached the nest, the people waited breathlessly to see what she would do. No one could climb the tree. No one could help her. Now she could have easily saved her own life by flight, but instead of fleeing, she sat down on the nest, covering the little ones carefully with her wings. The fire seized her and burnt her to ashes. She showed her love to her little ones by giving her life for them. If then this little insignificant creature had such love, how much more must our Heavenly Father love his children, the Creator love his creatures? So as I was pondering Sundar's wisdom this week, I was simultaneously talking with a a lot of friends, some of them among us, who really struggle with anxiety. And their anxiety is worsening when terrible things happen, like the shooting last week in the synagogue in Pittsburgh. It suddenly seems like evil is, is more unleashed in the world, and life is more uncertain. Anxiety is this dread or fear about the future. And so I was wondering what Sundar would say about all this. And I imagine that he might direct us to talk to Jesus, who's like that mother bird, to tell Jesus what we need. I imagine he might say that nominal and indifferent spirituality has an opportunity now to, sol- to solidify into some active, deeper faith. A faith that God is love and has won the victory over death and that we belong to him and that we will be okay in the deepest sense of the word. We will be okay no matter what happens to us. I asked my cell leader apprentice, Emma, if I could tell a little bit of her story um, tonight and she said yes because she she has been really working with this anxiety thing and she wanted me to tell it to you as evidence of how God is greater than our anxiety and can help us in it can meet us in it so she struggled with chronic anxiety that gave her obsessive compulsive behaviors you know checking the stove a million times checking everything before you leave the house, um, checking everything to make sure that she was safe and wasn't hurting anyone. She told our cell it got so bad that it was just hard to even walk down the street for years, to walk down the street to get to work, to take the subway. And then she became a Christian, and she started to pray. And she even let other people pray for her. And she identified some of the lies that she was believing about herself. Um, That if she could just control everything, then she would be safe and other people would be safe, et cetera, et cetera. And miraculously, by the grace of God, she was freed. And she could hardly believe this either after years of therapy and medications. She was free to live without these constant rituals of worry. And she doesn't know what the future holds any more than any of the rest of us do, but she has this sense now that God is with her and she's free to live. 
Now that doesn't that doesn't happen to everybody, right? We don't not everybody's going to get healed like that in an instant. Some of us are going to struggle with stuff for the rest of our lives. And I don't and I don't know why that is, but I know that that is and that our uh our faith isn't dependent on how God works this out for us as individuals. But I think what what Emma wanted me to tell you as that it, this this freedom to live with God is part of what brings heaven to earth right now. It's part of what we can touch even in this moment, this crazy moment on earth, this crazy moment in the United States when things are going nuts. This presence of God unleashes a revolution against fear and oppression. Again, it doesn't mean that everybody gets healed right now and that, that everything is good. It means that God is with us, empowering us to suffer with him as a body. Because our faith is not dependent on any one of our experiences alone. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, you know, making something much bigger together than any one of us can do ourselves. I, I was, oh, sorry. I got to see it at our uh, village parenting day yesterday. I was, the, the room was full of um, just a fraction, actually, of our caregivers, not just parents, but people on our children's teams um, and a bunch of kids. Like, we wouldn't have all been able to fit. Good thing we didn't all show up because we wouldn't have all been able to fit at Marlton Pike but I was having this moment of gratitude thinking about um, many years ago when Circle of Hope first got started, sitting with my friend um, who was upset that she was one of the few people in Circle of Hope who had kids. Because back when we got started, there was like hardly any kids. Um, most people were just in their 20s. And... Uh, she was wondering, like, you know, who do I share this parenting journey with? How do, how do I, I can't do this alone. The nuclear family is not enough. All these things that are true. And now we have this great cloud of witnesses. We have parents and caregivers that we can rely on, that we can invite into our lives and families to help us. We can, we can create a family that is bigger than any one of us can create ourselves. And I think we need that. I think the world needs that. And I'm glad that we're able to do that together. I was even thinking of the ways that my family, my own kids have been blessed by your presence in their lives. Because what I have to offer them is not enough. I was talking, we'll get, we'll get back to this picture in a sec, but I was talking to, um, with the pastors this week about um, who we are, like what makes us unique as a circle of hope in Christ? What do we really believe about ourselves and the gospel? And so we were looking at our 11 convictions. I don't know if you've heard these before, so I want to um, talk about them again tonight. Of course, our 11 convictions are not an exhaustive list, um, but they're some core expressions of who we are. And as we were, as we were laughing and talking, we tried to like we we thought, well, what if we boiled them down and tried to simplify them even more? And so these are like super reduced. 
um, which is not always a good idea. But we thought, well, the heart, the, the, the first one is that the gospel is best revealed incarnationally, person to person. And so Jesus is here because we are here. And then we're called to move with what the Spirit is doing next. So we're not done yet. We have, to, we have to keep moving. We have to keep listening. We're also meant to go deep with God. We can't just stay on the surface and expect to grow. And so we're serious. We're serious about that. We're doers of the word. We do stuff. We have an embodied life. This is not, we don't, we don't just come and try to fill our heads with like, um, a cognitive belief system. That's not going to be enough. We need to live into the truth. Generating justice and hope in our neighborhoods must be at the heart of us. And so this change that we're living into is, is a local thing. We can see it. We can see it in our homes. We can see it in our neighborhoods. Sometimes. We keep working for it. We're called to be a living organism building community together in love. So we work together. We don't, we don't try to make this happen in isolation. Dialogue keeps us connected and protects our gravity. So it's a conversation. I might even say, like, we're a conversation. There's so many different opinions, right, and, and uh, feelings about what's going on in the world. It's just, it's just so much easier for people now to just kind of shut down and, and, and isolate and maybe not even get together with their own families or friends. We're trying to resist that, that urge and do something different. Fomenting diversity and reconciliation is at the prophetic heart of our gospel. In other words, this is not just about us. The message of Jesus is going, to, is going to do something through us and beyond us and unite people across all, all the divisions, the, all, the, the xenophobia, the homophobia, the racism, the sexism, all, the, all that we see in the world that seems to be even like more unleashed. Jesus wants to bring people together. We expect people to express their gifts, talents, art, and worship. So everybody has something to offer. Even those of us who think that we have nothing to offer, it's not true. And Circle, Circle of Hope is hopefully a place where you are participating and you are called to participate and people get on your nerves asking you to do stuff. I hope it's like that. Sharing our resources brings freedom and unleashes power. So we share money. We talk about money. It's part of our lives. Leadership is a team effort, finally. So we don't, we don't have celebrity leaders. Um, the church is not about one charismatic person who's like the face of the gospel. I think that's on all of us to be and do. So I hope that our togetherness in Christ can keep speaking to our anxiety and can keep reminding us that, that the living Christ is among us, like Sundar preached, like that mother bird. I was praying last night. Um, after this meeting, we're going we're gonna to have uh, our first 
late night Sunday meeting down at 1125, the, the spot that we used to meet. And we just want to try something new and try to meet more people in our old neighborhood. It's actually our current neighborhood, too. But as I was praying um, for this awesome team, and I like how Rand is joking here about what a cool, diverse group of young people <laughs> they are. That's the team that is kind of getting this thing going. Um, but as I was praying last night, I was, I was realizing lots of my own fears, and I was processing, trying to process some of my own anxiety and realizing, wow, I have a lot. I have a lot of it, and I need to keep, I need to keep letting Jesus into that space where I'm fearful about the future and I and my identity and my worth and I don't know how things are going to turn out and who's going to care about me and um, all of the things that there are to be afraid about now, the jobs, the violence, hatred being unleashed in the streets, injustice and inequality all over the place. What will happen we have to bring our fears to Jesus, I think, so that we can apply that truth to our lives again and again and let God meet us in our need. I was comforted um, this morning when I remembered this truth that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Let me pray for us again that we could keep letting God speak to our need and, and remind us of the truth. Lord, as we uh, face all the changes in our lives and all the changes that you might be calling us to, give us open hands to receive your goodness. That really, Lord, is bigger than our anxiety and fear. Help us to feel that. Help us to see that in tangible ways. Help us to keep creating that community that expresses that in real ways to one another and to the world. Thank you for this gift of who you are and who, who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.